Good morning, Christ Chapel family. It's a joy to be with you again today. And on behalf of our staff and elder board, we just, we miss y'all so much. We are anticipating and longing for the time when we can come together and worship. Uh, I about had it with distancing. I'm, I'm ready to be near you and with you. Um, but we still want to work, not only worship together, but bring the word of God to you. So uh, if you're at home with us, with your family, or by yourself, either way, I hope you have your Bible and something to write with. Would you stand with me? I'm going to continue on the study of the imminent return of Christ. I've got one, this one message here should be uh, the final part of this one sermon, but I had some things I wanted to teach on. Since last week I spoke more about the, the factual account of his coming for us and the scriptural account i want to talk about our responsibilities and then how should we then live according to uh, this knowledge second thessalonians 2 1 through 8 now we beseech you brethren by the coming of our lord jesus christ and by our gathering together unto him that's the rapture that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor word nor as any letter from us that the day of christ that's the day of the Lord, the day of judgment, is present at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, which day? The day of Christ, the day of the Lord, the day of judgment, shall not come except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or all that is worshipped. So that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. After the rapture of the church, this geopolitical figure, Antichrist, will actually go into the, the, the temple uh, of the Israelites and take his seat or stance where the mercy seat is, declaring himself as God dwelleth between the cherubim, that he is God himself. That's called the abomination of desolation. And the Bible tells the Jews that remain on the earth at this time, when you see this, don't even go into your house to get a coat. Flee for the hills, for great tribulations coming, such as not since the beginning of time, nor shall there be afterwards. Remember not, ye not, that when I was with you, I told you these things. Verse 6, And now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed, the Antichrist, in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he, the church, who now letteth or restraineth until he be taken out of the way. And then, when? After the rapture of the church, shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. We know we have preached and taught and we have the established fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. Just as sure as he came the first time to be a savior, he's coming the second time, first of all, for his church as a bridegroom, and then he's coming with his church as a judge. We are not to be date setters, but God's word is crystal clear. He said you can tell the weather by the sky being red, and you should be able to discern and read the signs of the times. We don't set dates, but we do understand seasons. And we believe, I believe, that this is the season before the return of the Lord. We are not to be exclusive, quarantined spiritually, or secluded from the masses. It's one thing to be in the world as a light shining and longing to be with the world as a dimmed carnal light. 
We are not to be confused, apathetic, or indifferent concerning the return of the Lord. It should be at the forefront of our life post-salvation. Our, his lordship and his return should be at the forefront of our thinking. We are not to be flippant in our attitude and in our conversation concerning it. And we are not to be filled with pride as if we merited any part of our redemption or rescue from the wrath that is to come based upon our own works. The knowledge of Jesus Christ coming for us does not make us feel proud. It humbles us to a low position that we would be so loved by God and so protected by God and so preserved and brought unto Himself that where He is we could be also. Would you pray for me as I pray for myself? as we continue this study on the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Father, I just come before you this morning grateful. I'm just, I'm grateful, Lord, that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life and that nothing, no one can pluck me from your hand. But I don't want to walk out of that hand either. I want my life to be hid in Christ with you. I want my affections to be set on things above. I want my ears tuned to the frequency of the Holy Spirit so that that day does not come upon me unawares. When the trump goes off, Lord, in that immediate split nanosecond, let my spirit scream out, yes, ready for your appearing. Teach us tonight through your word how we should then live, knowing that Christ is even at the door. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I am not working toward my security. I am secure. I'm secure in my identity. I'm secure in my position. I'm secure in uh, the foundation of the Lord. The Bible says the foundation of the Lord standeth sure that the Lord knows who are His. It's not that I know God, it's that He knows me. But having said that, what then should be my reaction to that security? It's not a... Uh, Quarantine is such an overused word now, but it's not a self-quarantine from the world holding on to my possession of eternal life. I am supposed to, number one, be always and currently engaged in my witness to the world. Not just of my salvation, but the hope, the why of my hope, the reason for my sanctification. The, the, the birth of my priorities. I'm supposed to be dialoguing with the world. Light, salt. Uh, letting my light so shine before men. Being an example. Uh, uh, giving evidence to the, the invisible Lord. There must be a Lord because John is subject to him. We are to be engaged in witnessing. Not just, and we hear witnessing, people think of just sharing the gospel. Yes, but I'm talking about a, a lifestyle evangelism, if you will. We should be engaged in our witness because of our spiritual sight. Listen to this in John 4. Say not there yet four months into the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white unto harvest. When we see the hopelessness around us, it ought to stir the hope within us. No man can see a burning building and not care for the people in the building. The fields are white. It's just a matter of people breaking away from their lives of comfort and pleasure and letting the Lord use their life as an instrument. If it, wouldn't we all agree that if Christ 
is our Savior and we are born of Him, shouldn't we naturally love the things that He loves and do the things that He did? And Christ so loved that He, he gave His life. If we have this sight, this spiritual sight, it ought, there's no way to see something and not be moved by it unless we're truly dead in our sins or our sight is in actuality blindness. With the dawn of, of our technological advances and the cell phone cameras and the digital high-def stuff, it's amazing to me how there are actual pages and millions of videos of violence where people see a woman being attacked or an old man being beaten and they film it and laugh about it and then put it online. So they have the capacity to know what's going on and instead of helping or calling the law, they film it. What, what is that? It's the evidence that they see but they stopped seeing a long time ago. Their feelings don't work. They're, 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 they're dead while they live. And any Christian that can see unbelievers and not be moved may be dead while they live. Don't say four months. He said, Jesus said, now. The fields are white now. Understanding the link between temporal work and eternal reward. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Likewise, brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your work, your labor in the Lord is not in vain, because it will be rewarded. Let's think of the hardest job you've ever had or most taxing or, or most demanding physical labor, you know, digging ditches or working third shift or whatever. We understand what work is. Y'all, y'all remember a couple months ago I told you about a young boy in our church. To me, you know, when you're up near 60, anybody in their 20s are boys. You know, they're grown, but, you know, he was in his early 20s or so or late teens. I, I don't remember. And I was just touching people. Said, hey, man, how are you doing? Good to see you this morning. How are you? He said, man, I'm tired, Pastor. I said, you are, buddy. You look tired. Yeah. I pulled a double yesterday. I said, man, those are tough. They'll kill you. He goes, yeah. Nine to 11 and one to three. I said, man, that ain't no double. That's not even a single. That's not, you know, it's the tiredest generation, you know. And you hear the stories that our parents and grandparents did and and in my generation, you know, I got up, uh, I'm not boasting, I was up and at work at 5, worked till 7, 7.15, went from there to school, went to school from 8 to 2.30 or 3, and then worked from 3 to 11, and then you come home, do it again, and work the weekends, you know, you worked. Could that word work be accurately a description of your efforts for God and the kingdom of God. I work for God. Not to be accepted by Him, but from the platform of my acceptance by Him. Work motivated by gratitude. Work motivated by discernment. 
work motivated by capacity. Work motivated by reward. I heard a guy say one time, if there was no heaven, I'd work just as hard. Uh, I think I would work just as, well, no. If the reward wasn't per. If the reward wasn't important and paramount, Jesus wouldn't have mentioned it so many times. My reward's with me to give every man according as his work shall be. No one will give even a cup of cold water in my name that I won't give you reward for. Great will be your reward in heaven. Do you work for the Lord? Or are you like that guy, yeah, I did a double today. You know, I came to church or I... I showed up one Tuesday night. This is a lifestyle of work. Do you know what? Uh, work often comes disguised as work. Service, opportunity, seems to always come wearing overalls. I'm not asking you today like I did last week about where is your heart, the condition of your heart. I want to see your hands. Are they calloused and blistered? And by hands, I'm not talking about physical, I mean spiritual. Do you row through storms? Do you pull people, snatch them out of the fire? Are you singed? Are you beaten? Are you bruised? Are you taken advantage of? Are you used? You remember when we first got saved, how we would cry and pray lord use me lord use me lord use me and then we say god i feel so used you know it is true that we cannot merit any of our salvation none it was the gift of god lest any man should boast but i will not be rewarded for what he did for me the only reward in heaven we'll have is what we did for him man others cannot do it for you and God will not do you for do it for you regardless we're to constantly be working engaged in witness regardless of difficulty and fatigue Galatians 6 said don't grow weary in well-doing for in due season you'll reap if you faint not and as you have opportunity do good to all men especially those in the household of faith if we quit when we're tired there's not a person at home, the, the ones that are here recording this. If you quit every time you were worn out, you'd keep a job about four days. Quit always looks good. The bed's always more, most comfortable when the alarm goes off. But for us, we, we are not to be weary and well-doing because we understand the reward that's coming. That's what motivates us. We, I put it to you this way. For the men here who are fathers, our children... A wife and her children. Seeing my responsibility to them and my love for them, I work. So they can have better than what I had. More. Not just things. More. I want them to have the best health care I can give them. The best home. The best food. That love is supposed to motivate us for work, working for the Lord. Our love for Him and our love for others. And this witness should have a sense of urgency to it. Ephesians 5.16 See that you live your life circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil, buying back the hours that we wasted 
uh, before, before we knew Christ. Knowing that the hourglass is emptying out, what can I get done? You've heard me mention many times before that the most work we ever get done is the week before vacation. We get like five months of work done, <laughs> things cleaned out and packed. That Knowing that vacation starts that Saturday morning, and some men, you know, if you're going on vacation, they're up at like midnight, put everybody in the car, and you're there by four in the morning, drag everybody in so you can wake up, start the day. I don't want to lose a minute. We should have that mentality about heaven. Heaven's coming, and I've got, I've got to squeeze out of this day If I'm ever going to do anything for Christ, I have to do it now. If I'm going to do something great for Christ, I have to do it now. If I'm going to have to give, if I want to give something sacrificial to Christ, I want to give it now before the hourglass runs out. Redeeming the time because the days are evil and fleeting. Number two, we are to be on guard against false teachers, deceivers, and deception. How are we to live? Guarded. Guard your heart because out of it are the issues of life. God will not guard your heart and other people cannot guard your heart. That is your responsibility. Your responsibility to till it and make sure that it's soft so the word of God can fall upon it and take root. It is your job to weed it, to pull out those weeds and the thorns that can choke the Word of God, to remove the rocks for any poison that gets in there. You're responsible. If someone else's poisons the guard of your the garden of your heart, you must separate from them. And, and, and you might have to tell them, look, I, I just can't, I can't be with you. I'm not judging you. I'm judging me. My, my soul doesn't have the capacity to live with that poison. I, I can't do it. Guard your heart because God will not do it for you and others cannot. Guard against false teachers, deceivers, and deceptions, for they will be prevalent. When they asked Jesus, what's the sign of your coming and the end of the age? He said, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. Now, this could be one or two things or both. Many would come professing that Jesus is Lord. But they live in unrighteousness and speak lies and hypocrisy and deceive that way. Or it could be that many come saying that they are the Christ. This new age, I'm Christ, you're Christ, we're all Christ. But deceptions and deceivers will be rampant. They will have uh, imitation, fruit of the Holy Spirit. They'll have imitations, imitation of supernatural power, but it won't be divine power. It'll be anointing, but not a godly anointing. We have to make sure that we recognize God's voice and God's spirit and God's words by an inner witness, an unction from the Holy One that gives us discernment in this last hour. Because deceivers and seducers are going to wax worse and worse in this last hour. They will be apostate, liars, and full of iniquity. Now the Spirit speaketh in 1 Timothy 4.1 expressly that in the latter times people will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, their conscience seared with a hot iron. They will be apostate, liars, and full of iniquity. These false teachers 
speak lies because of the sinfulness that's in their own heart. When we can say, okay, we'll ordain you as a homosexual. We'll ordain you as a fornicator. We'll ordain you as a man with a mistress or someone that's an adulterer or someone that loves money. We're just going to lower all the standards. And they, they, the evidence of this false teacher anointed by hell is that they have a life of sinfulness that's unrepented of. There's no consecration. There's no desire. So see, what we've done is we've diluted the Word of God to where we don't know what is sin. Or if it was sin, well, God understands and grace covers it. This is part of the deception. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power of God to bring about godly change in my life for the glory of His Son. Freedom from the old lifestyle, not permission to live in the old lifestyle. Freedom from the bondage, not a rationalization of the bondage. Freedom in Him living and moving and having our being. These people will be manipulators of Scripture and men. It says in 2 Peter 3, verse 16, And also in all His epistles, speaking them of these things, in which some things are hard to understand, which they are unlearned and unstable, these preachers twist the Scriptures, as they do others, unto their own destruction. Yet therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, there it is, being led away with the error, that's the teaching, of the wicked. If they're living wicked lives, then the the, the things that they preach are filled with error. And you don't want to watch these because you can fall from your own steadfastness. Number three. Knowing that the Lord's return is imminent, we are to be awake, sober, and alert. Y'all, excuse me, I'm so thirsty today. We are to be awake, sober, and alert, for His return is not contingent upon anything happening or anyone else's effort. Mark, Matthew 25, Watch therefore, for you do not know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. This is how I know that this idea that Christ cannot come before the Antichrist comes because it would contradict Scripture. Well, how can that be, John? Well, because he said, watch, because you don't know the day nor the hour when the Lord cometh. Well, I know it's got to be after the Antichrist comes. That's knowing the season. Like, I can know in that day that it has. So, see, I'm not looking for the blessed hope. I would then be looking for the Antichrist. But for us, we know that he could appear at any moment At any time, he's not waiting upon anything. Even the gathering together of Jerusalem and of the Israelites in 1948 and Israel being birthed again, that had to happen before the day of the Lord, not before the rapture of the church. And away with this internet copy and paste ideology, what the rapture started with Thomas Darby or with Darby and Schofield. No, you've just, somebody has printed that and has copy and pasted it. Anyone with a superficial reading of the Word of God understood that the early church believed in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, not only believed, preached, and wrote the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Jesus believes in the imminent return. Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. Quickly doesn't mean down the line, maybe one day after all these things happen. He said, in a day that you know not, an hour that you know not. We are children of the day. 
Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. And this readiness that we have is to be fueled uh, by prayer and balanced by the Word of God. Fueled by prayer and balanced by the Word of God. 1 Peter 4, 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. So the, the word part is making sure that I'm submitting to the revealed things in God's word to make sure that I am pleasing to the Lord. The prayer part is, is there anything wrong, Lord, that I don't know? An attitude, a mindset, unforgiveness. Search me, O Lord. I'm searching the scriptures. They search me. But you search me with the light that, uh, that supersedes my knowledge or my understanding. Number four, we are to be ready and prepared for his return by our position in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 and 10. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. It is hid blood on the doorpost of my soul that makes my salvation from this wrath possible. It is this ark that I enter in through the one door that God himself prepared and then God shuts it. It's the boat of my safety when the rest of the world is washed away in judgment. I'm prepared for his return because of my posture before Christ. Humility. Gratitude. Prayerful, worshipful, grateful. And this to me is one of the most important. Confident. I'm prepared. I'm prepared and keep myself prepared by the boldness of my profession. He said he's coming back for me that where I am, he would be also. Or where he is, I would be also. Confident. In his confident in his promises, there hath not failed one word of all his good promises. I'm not just hoping; I'm anticipating. All my eggs are in that basket. That the one that promised he would die for me died for me. The one that promised he would get up got up. And the one that promised he's coming back for me will come back for me. And the one that promises to rule and reign in righteousness will come again and bring the world in subjection. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. By our productivity for Christ. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us... Us, our family, our believers, consider one another and purpose to provoke one another to love and good works. Doesn't mean you overlook everything so you can get along. It's how are you doing? I'm good, man. No, how are you really doing? Well, you know, what are you doing for the Lord? Why aren't you on, why aren't you on the worship team? You used to do it. Why, why aren't you helping with the kids? Why aren't you uh, evangelizing? Where you work? Why, why aren't you giving? Uh, why do you spend more on your hair a year than you do giving to the work of God? That, that's provoking. That that's stirring, because we would rather be liked than our uh, than our friend. We would rather be liked by our friends than them receive praise and honor at the coming of the Lord. 
And we need to wake ourselves up. I hope I provoke you sometimes, not, not to feel bad, but to, to prod and to move you unto good works. Unto good works. Brooke, if you would come, please, too. And number five. We are to be earnestly, expectantly, and longingly desiring His appearing. We are to be earnestly, expectantly, and longingly desiring His appearing. Now, I'm not speaking of a certain individual. I've been preaching over 30 years. There are many people that I talk to like this. And those that are younger say, well, you know, I, I want to go to heaven, but I, I, I want to be married first. Then once you get married, you come Lord Jesus, you know. <laughs> well, I, I, I just don't know, John. It, it, the idea of it scares me. Then you don't know him. To know him is to love him and want to be with him. The love of this world where Lot's wife could not stand the idea of leaving it behind. Every blessing I have, every wonderful thing that the Lord's given me, when he comes for me, it will fade away in its significance. Well, Pastor John, you talk about your dad that's been in heaven 40-something years. Oh, I'll know him as as. We knew each other here, and there will be joy and beauty. But not the celebration will not be in the reunion. It will be in the love that God had for us to grant us a reunion. Christ will eclipse everything. Everything. He will be at the forefront. And all these other relationships will be seen in the light, not of what we had together, but the love that God had for us, that He would even give us these relationships. Do you long for the return of Jesus Christ? Do you pray for it? Even now, come Lord Jesus. The Spirit and the Bride say come. Do you expect it? Are your ears tuned into heaven's frequency? Is your hope in Him? Is your treasure in Him? Final scripture, Luke 12. Let your loins be girt about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if, she, if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know, that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would have come, he would have watched and not suffered his house to be broken into. Be ye ready, for the Son of Man cometh in an hour which you think not. My prayer for you and myself is that our hearts would be single. Jesus alone. Jesus first. Jesus and nothing else. That our bodies would be pure. 
fleeing youthful lust, fleeing the rationalization of sins, not carnal, not cold, not indifferent, not, not smelling of the world, not singing their songs Saturday night and then coming into the house of God singing His on Sunday morning. That our bodies would be pure, abstaining from the uh, lust and affections that war against our soul. That our eyes would be upward. That we would live not looking at what is ahead, but looking at what is ahead. Upward eyes. That our feet would be walking forward. Not, not living in the past, forgetting those things that are behind, but pressing on to the mark of the prize of the high call in God in Christ Jesus. That our words would be confident. I just shared that with you. And in nothing, terrified by your adversaries, fearless, full assurance of faith that the one who died for me is coming back for me. And finally, that our souls would be at rest. Our souls would be at rest. I don't have to do nothing. I'm ready. Ready. I've shared this before. Again, over the years, if you're one place, 25 years, you've told most everything you've thought or felt or dreamt. But I have a reoccurring dream. I dream about two or three times a year. And it varies in what it feels like and the location that it starts. But I can be in a car. Sometimes I'm walking on the interstate. Sometimes I'm at home. And the trump of the Lord goes off. And as soon as I hear it, I start screaming out. Uh, my, my, my only appeal is the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Or if I dream that I'm dying, and I know that I'm dying, I go, just His blood, nothing else. No, I don't bring anything else to the table. We don't want to have to be cutting rope on our hot air balloon when He comes for us. We want to be confident, ready, and if they say password, Christ the Lord. John, would you like to add anything to that? Any, didn't you preach for a long time? Christ the Lord. I will trust Him to complete this redemption. Be ready. For in an hour that you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray for myself and for those watching that you would sober us with the convicting power of your Holy Spirit. Wipe the scales from our eyes. Quicken us, Lord. Bring us back to life and an awareness of, of, of the illusion of this world. This world passeth away in all of its glory like grass being thrown in an oven. But he that does the will of the Lord would abide forever. Let our candles be burning, our hearts aflame, our eyes upward, our feet forward, and our souls at rest, that he that began the good work in us will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, there's nothing here that I want. I'm grateful. Oh, I'm grateful for every blessing. But everything that I live for and long for is on the other side. And I believe you're going to get my boat my boat with holes in it, my boat with water, I believe you're going to bring it all the way to the other side. Maranatha, even so, come Lord Jesus. 
And all God's people said, Amen. Church family, we love you. We miss you. If there's anything we can do for you, please don't hesitate at all to call our office. Let us know of your needs or needs of the elderly here in our church or those that can't get out and about. We want to serve you to the best of our ability. Uh, Up to now, my greatest joy in life has been pastoring. Very soon, my greatest joy will be you seeing you in the presence of the Lord. We got a blindingly bright future ahead of us. It's only a matter of minutes. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.